Welcome to The Christian Atheist, where faith and reason fuse in the Incarnation. Episode number 90, Paradise Lost, Book 2, Evil Pathogenic. How did you go bankrupt? Bill asked. Two ways, Mike said, gradually, then suddenly. These lines from Ernest Hemingway's The Sun Also Rises describe our current situation in the Western world. How did we get to the point where we no longer know the difference between men and women, where we can ignore science and reality in favor of a rational imagination land and the like insanity now inundating our world? It was a gradual, rational infection that turned suddenly into a pandemic. Satan, speaking to Beelzebub in Book One of Paradise Lost, says this, Of this be sure, to do aught good never will be our task, but ever to do ill our sole delight, as being contrary to his high will whom we resist. If then his providence out of our evil seeks to bring forth good, our labor must be to pervert that end, and out of good still to find means of evil. Evil, as we saw last week, is unrepentant, and we have here its mission statement. Book two opens in, quote, solemn council, held at Pandemonium, the high capital of Satan, enthroned, quote, by merit raised to that bad eminence, insatiate to pursue vain war with heaven, and asking for counsel, from his followers. Quote, we now return to claim our just inheritance of old. By what best way, whether of open war or covert guile, we now debate. Who can advise may speak. Three counselors arise to speak, each of a different temper Moloch, Belial, and Mammon. Moloch counsels for open war to provoke God's, quote, utmost ire, which, to the height enraged, will either quite consume us and reduce to nothing this essential, or, if our substance be indeed divine and cannot cease to be, we, at worst, feel our power sufficient to disturb his heaven, which, if not victory, is yet revenge. Belial more thoughtful and crafty than warlike and courageous, responds first to Moloch, who, he says, quote, grounds his courage on despair and utter dissolution as the scope of all his aim, after some dire revenge, end quote. And after having ineffectually given all in war, to, quote, exasperate the almighty victor to spend all his rage. That must end us. That must be our cure, to be no more. Sad cure. For who would lose, though full of pain, this intellectual being? Then he reminds his peers that God destines them to eternal punishment. Quote, Shall we then live thus vile? To suffer here chains and these torments? Better these than worse, by my advice. He ends with counsel to do nothing, lest worse punishment ensue. Next, 
Mammon counsels that they should, in fact, make a heaven of hell, as Satan suggested in Book 1, with these words, Let us not then pursue by force impossible, but rather seek our own good from ourselves, and from our own live to ourselves, though in this vast recess, free and to none accountable, preferring hard liberty before the easy yoke of servile pomp. We can, he says, thrive under evil and work ease out of pain through labor and endurance, as he our darkness. Cannot we his light imitate when we please? This desert soil wants not her hidden luster, gems, and gold, nor want we skill or art from whence to raise magnificence. And what can heaven show more? Our torments also may, in length of time, become our elements, these piercing fires as soft as now severe, our temper changed into their temper, which must needs remove the sensible of pain. All things invite to peaceful counsels, and the settled state of order, how in safety best we may compose our present evils, with regard of what we are, and where, dismissing quite all thoughts of war, ye have what I advise. The three counselors all make rational cases for their positions, cases that aim at specific ends, for as we said, the ethics of evil is always that the ends justify the means. There is, however, a profound but unspoken problem with all these reasonable arguments. They all aim at some good. And as the words of Satan from Book One with which we open this edition make clear, evil will not be content with good, even to itself. Goodness itself must be undermined, poisoned, infected with evil. Moloch wants to end the suffering and get payback. Belial, like a good utilitarian philosopher, wants to maximize the quality of life they still possess and avoid greater suffering. And Mammon wants to make things better in hell by hard work and peace with heaven. As Milton points out, these goals are the residue of God's goodness in his creations. Good is still, at some level, what they desire. For our purposes, these counselors give the lie to Satan's claim in Book 1 that it is better to reign in hell and there to be free than to serve in heaven. If this were what he wanted, he would follow the counsels of Belial and Mammon. Instead, he pursues an entirely different project. In point of fact, Satan does not reign in hell. He serves evil. He said in Book 1, quote, Here at least we shall be free, but he is not free. For as he said, God conquered them in fact, but he left their minds their own. And it is in the mind that they are everywhere bounded by God's goodness. As we shall see in the progress of Book 2, Satan chafes at hell's boundaries. He will never be free so long as goodness exists and reigns constraining him. Here lies the true meaning of the mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell, a hell of heaven. For wherever good exists, it exists as Satan's boundary 
the bars of his self-imposed hell, his willful rejection of all that is good. Like all good lies, it relies for its persuasion, its rhetorical power on truth, but it twists it, inverts it. Even in heaven, Satan was in hell. But try as he might, hell will remain hell, exactly as its nature determines. The mind can pervert good, but it cannot remake creation contrary to its nature, to God's design. This is the deep contradiction in which evil exists. Evil by its very nature is parasitic on goodness. It relies on goodness for its being, though it also self-deceptively denies that dependence, resents it. God creates, brings order from chaos, gives life. Evil can only sow discord and disorder, death and destruction. It can only infect goodness. And in order to do so, it must assault boundaries to its progress. That is, evil is essentially transgressive. Because evil is uncreative and transgressive, it is also incestuous, as it can only spread by perpetuating itself in a host, infecting and replicating. Milton brilliantly portrays all of this in the remainder of Book Two. Beelzebub, responding to the popular acclaim of Mammon's counsel, reveals the self-deception under which all of them are rationalizing. Quote, we dream and know not that the king of heaven hath doomed this place our dungeon, not our safe retreat beyond his potent arm, to live exempt from heaven's high jurisdiction, but to remain in strictest bondage. For he, to be sure, still first and last will reign sole king, and of his kingdom lose no part by our revolt. What sit we then projecting peace and war. War hath determined us, and foiled with loss irreparable. Instead, he poses a question and proposes a plan. What if we find some easier enterprise? There is a place, the happy seat of some new race called man, about this time to be created like to us, though less in power and excellence, but favored more of him who rules above. Thither let us bend all our thoughts, to learn what creatures there inhabit, how endued, and what their power, and where their weakness, how attempted best by force or subtlety. Though heaven be shut, this place may lie exposed, left to their defense who hold it." End quote. This newly created being the forces of hell can drive out as they were driven, quote, or, if not drive, seduce them to our party, that their God may prove their foe, and with repenting hand abolish his own works. This would surpass common revenge. Beelzebub's counsel, of course, is not his own. But as we saw in Book One, was, quote, first devised by Satan. From whence, but from the author of all ill, could spring so deep a malice, to confound the race of mankind in one root, and earth 
with hell to mingle and involve, done all to spite the great Creator. The bold design pleased highly those infernal states, and joy sparkled in all their eyes. End quote. Satan, in inverted parody of the sacrifice of Christ, volunteers to undertake the perilous journey, quote, that out of hell leads up to light, to confront and overcome the boundaries put in place by God to forbid the mingling of hell with earth. What follows is a narrative of transgression, incest, and collusion of evil with itself in pursuit of its goal. Satan himself is the evil pathogen, intent on infecting God's good creation, not on achieving any good for himself or anyone else, despite his deceptive words to his followers. To spread the contagion, he must tear down and transgress all the boundaries in place to prevent it. Arriving at Hell's Gate, clothed securely against him, he encounters two daunting figures, Sin, the gatekeeper, and Death, both incestuously born of Satan himself. Sin, daughter of Satan, sprung directly from his head, seat of his transgressive, rational will. Satan's illicit lust for his daughter yields his only son, Death. Death, in turn, rapes his mother, producing the hellhounds that surround and torment her. See James 1, 14 and 15. Despite their mutual hate, sin consents to open hell's gates, reasoning, What owe I to his commands above, who hates me, and hath hither thrust me down into this gloom of Tartarus profound? Thou art my father, thou my author, thou my being gavest me. Whom should I obey but thee? Whom follow? And, as is so often the case, once opened the gates, will not close. Like Pandora's box, once escaped, the damage is done. The infection has begun. Satan has then to cross the natural boundaries against infection. The void of chaos, night, rumor, chance, tumult, confusion, and discord. And all the while sin and death pave the road behind him to unite earth and hell with a highway. United, the forces of evil work to undermine all the protections against chaos and disorder, to destroy the boundaries that keep evil at bay. To my mind, no clearer picture of pathogenic evil has ever been painted. No better illustration of the means and methods of the Hegelian, Marxist, wokist agenda assaulting our world today. I am a Christian with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can have your religious cake and eat it too. You can have reason, respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian.